Welcome to Rough Drafts, how God writes his love in our stories, a podcast that explores the faith journeys of our friends and neighbors in Burns, Tennessee. Everyone has a story to tell. And in this podcast, we'll hear powerful and inspiring stories of how God works in the ordinary lives of people like you and me. Our stories are unfinished and perfectly imperfect. They're just rough drafts, a glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work, writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt. Um, Today's guest has done everything. Uh, I have put my life in his hands more than once, which is not something I greatly relish doing for anybody. Uh, but I let him help throw me over a cliff one time. Uh, he is the, the guy that might show up at your house if you're having a really, really bad day. How's that for an introduction? <laughs> Welcome to the show, Brandon Wilkerson. Morning, Matthew. You doing all right? Oh, doing good. So you are the first person who heard the show and said, I want to share my story. Yes, sir. And I've got a lot of stories to tell. I am so excited about that. I think that's really cool. Uh, there's a difference in having a story and having a story you want to tell. So I think today's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, sir. So what's your story? Well, <clears throat> tell my story. Kind of got to go back to when I was growing up and when I was a kid. And when I was, when I grew up, I grew up on a farm. Uh, it was always hard work, you know, honest days pay. Um, I got great parents. My parents, you know, they, they, uh, they, they never really went to church. They never really pushed us into the church setting. You know, we never, never was ever introduced to the church. You know, it was always something to do. We raised beef cattle, um, we cut tobacco, we hay, you know, there's always something that had to be done. And so one thing I always noticed when I was growing up, though, is my dad knew a lot of scripture. And I never really could understand until a few times I called him looking at a little pocket Bible. Then I asked him about that Bible, and he said that when he was a kid, he was right out of high school, he was going to go to the military. And they was not accepting him in the military because he had some abnormalities with his feet, so he had a flat foot. And one of the things they give him was that pocket Bible. And so he would read scripture out of it, but the man never went to church. You know, he never set foot in a church setting. So uh, fast forward a little bit, Alicia, uh, met Alicia in high school. And I want to start, you know, getting to know Alicia a little bit more. She wanted nothing to do with me. Aww. Uh, she was kind of setting her ways. You know, she's 4.0, grade point average. I'm, you know, barely getting by, getting ready to graduate. Four and four feet tall. That's a perfect right. combination. Yes, sir. Uh, she, she didn't want nothing to do with me. So I had to get with friends and other friends to be able to get Alicia to, to even acknowledge me. And, uh, so we was in marketing class and I would try to angle my, my chair, you know, in Alicia's group. So that way I could, uh, I figured, you know, Hey, that if we done a course together, we done a project together, you know, she had to talk to me or she fell out. So, uh, but getting Alicia to, you know, to, to acknowledge me and to, it was a it was a process. So uh, I got Alicia to to finally let you know we started dating and went to uh, we graduated high school together. We went to prom together and and odd and ends and uh, she went off to college. So and and I was worried about her finding somebody that may be a little bit more dressed, had a little bit more money in the bank than I was. But uh, you know she stayed together, stayed the course, and uh, and uh, you know she she's a she's an all around good person. She went to nursing school and got her bachelor's degree and. Uh, during that process, I joined the fire department right across the street with the town of Burns. And that's where I come to know Kenny and Melvin Sullivan. They were both of them in Vietnam. You know, dad taught me the hard work to pay and, and, you know, they taught me how to dress and keep my boot shined and my gig line straight. So I was getting the best of both worlds. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, 
got into doing some different things with that and being in starting that in a small career uh it set me up for a for a full-time job when i got out of high school so and i thought you know hell, i, I just grow old right here with the town of burns you know yeah. stay right here and um so over time uh alicia she was real big into the church yeah. she always you know she'd come to church since she was a kid and i never really come to church and she told me she said you know i, I want you to start going to church with me on sundays and you know she may be one of the top five longest term members of burns church of christ which is crazy when you think about the fact she's, well, I'm not going to say her age, yeah. but not old enough to have that that record, right? Because she's been here, she's been here a long time, mm-hmm. and her family, you know, they they came here. Adam's been coming here for a long time. Yeah, um, you know, Alicia, Alicia was coming to church here. She she wanted me to come to church, you, you know, and 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 I would tell her, you know, that really didn't want to go to church. I didn't understand it, you know. I don't I don't understand what the Bible was, and at that point, you know, I, I didn't. Um, she pretty much set the boundary that if you don't, I'm not going to be with a man that's not going to go to church. And so she's told me that if you're, if you're going to be in my life and you're going to be with me, I need you to go to church. So I came to the church. I came for the wrong reasons uh, that she, you know, I, when I'd come into the church, I would, uh, you know, I thought, well, it's just an hour. I just get through it. I was coming to keep, you know, to keep the girl, keep her happy. And um, the more and more that repetitiveness of coming to church and being, being here, I started really realizing um, that this is where I want to be. And I started really following along and started really trying to learn. And Alicia bought me my first Bible. And so being able to go back and put everything into context and starting in Genesis, you know, it was a, it really changed my life. <clears throat> there was one portion though, that I remember. And it was a, it was an analogy that you used that really set the tone for me coming to the church. And that was the farmer and the farm animals. And it was your dedication to to God. Are you coming for um, for c- certain reasons? Are you coming because you want to come? Or are you coming because you feel like you have to come? And that one was that the farmer and the animals. The animals is going to make breakfast for the farmer. Oh yeah, uh, the the chick the chicken and the the bacon and the eggs. That's right. That's right. I the pig was going to bring. It. That's right. The pig yeah. was going to bring the was going to bring the bacon and the. And the chickens was going to bring the eggs. And it was like, how dedicated are you? You know, and the, the pig had to give up a portion of his body where the chickens just give a few eggs. Yeah. And that set the tone for me. And Wow, I hadn't thought about that. Yep. That's been and a that, long time. That's been a long time. And so that was when I really wanted to start following Christ a whole lot more and started yeah. getting involved in the church a little bit more. And being set in my job with the fire department over next door, you know, I was rope rescue instructor, cave rescue instructor. I was able to bring those skills that I enjoy doing with my job to the church. We went to vacation Bible school yeah. and was doing the repelling and he helped us at camp. You helped us on a yeah. church retreat. It was it was it was fun times. You know, we, we really enjoyed you know, being part of it. We went rock climbing mm-hmm. that, that time and uh I don't know if Leslie ever confessed, but um uh, she was pregnant with Caleb one of the times that uh, we did the rappelling, but she didn't tell you because she didn't think you'd let her do it. <laughs> you do. Uh, yeah, it was, it, well, you know, it was, had to have all those safety classes yeah, before yeah, everything yeah. went, but it was, I think there's a lot of people that still have trust issues with me now <laughs> at the church. We didn't lose anybody that day. Nobody lost their life that day. No, was, I mean, I thought we were going to drum up some business for Tommy Marv. That's that. right. You know, I remember your wedding. Um, uh, you did something in the wedding uh, with your vows. I did. Um you know, you guys wrote vows for each other. We did. We did. We, uh, I wrote, a, I wouldn't even say it was even a vows. It was like a short story that had the vows on the end of it. And Alicia did the same, but yeah. I, uh, I got a scroll. I made it into a scroll, took two sticks and rolled it up. And so 
That video is actually on YouTube. Oh, is it really? Yeah, you can go to Alicia and Brandon at, yeah. on YouTube, and it'll bring up that wedding video and all that's on it. And me and Alicia, we still visit that yeah. periodically because, you know, my grandparents have passed on now, and her mom's passed on. So that's kind of a way that we get to yeah. uh, relive there, everybody. hear their voice, and see everybody. It's funny. Stuff. I mean, I knew what you were doing. You had told me what you were going to yes. do. But still, the visual, when you pull this scroll out and drop it, it seems like you had it long enough that it hit the floor or just almost it, hit the it floor. It was long. It was, <laughs> it, was enough, it was enough that the wind blew in the yeah. church when I let it down. That's right. That was, was a great moment. Time. It was. So Alicia's been a big part of your story. She has uh, been. And, and, you know, and, 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 and telling that story, I think that, you know, God put Alicia in my life for a reason, you know, and it was able to bring me to the church and, and straighten me up and, and teach me the ways. And, and it really... Um, and that uh, she was she was a godsend, that's for sure. Um, and I remember when I started in this, when the career with the fire service, and I was doing all that. I got into scuba diving real big, and so I got into. Um, I, I was the only guy that had scuba diving equipment, and I was working over here. And so the police department would say, "Hey, this guy's got scuba diving. You know, we need to get this car out of the lake. Just call him; he'll come get it." And I'd done that multiple times. You know, just getting cars, getting different things for the police department. And, Really enjoyed that, so I tried to make that a you know a secondary career, and yeah. I started my own company in 2009. I got my underwater crime scene and forensics, and I was doing shooting reconstruction, blood stain analysis, anything that had to deal with the underwater side of things. I was recovering guns, cars, and bodies, and made that a full time business, and that really took off. And uh, you know, I was building my little empire there. Okay, can you tell any stories from that era? I've got a lot. The Holly Bobo trial was yeah. one of the big uh, cases that I worked. The uh, Joe Clyde Daniels was a big case that I was part of. And so being, uh, I've recovered things. Okay. I've seen things that my mind can never erase. Okay. I don't want to go to the dark places for your sake and the listeners, but tell me something funny that happened in all those recoveries or um, something crazy you found. Oh, I found all kinds of stuff. I don't even know where I, I, I was unprepared for that part. <laughs> so much stuff that I've, that I've done and been part of. And, and, uh, you know, I've been everywhere from Alabama to, Kentucky to you know different parts of Tennessee and and word of mouth got out hey this guy's got this training this guy's got this equipment and you know I had trailers and boats and you know it was just a big empire that I was building and I was going all over the place recovering things for Tennessee Bureau of Investigation Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency uh, it's just a it's a it was a lot that I had I was taking on and the same time that I was taking you know this business on you know, we were talking about maybe getting married at the time and, 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 you know, what our future held. And I remember one time it was after a dive, I was filling some dive bottles and, you know, went in, took a shower and, and, um, it's, I felt like I had a burden on my shoulder and it really uh, was weighing me down. And I felt that I was, um, I just had a lot, you know, that, that was on me. And I remember when I got out of the shower, I called you and I told you, Matthew, I, I want to get baptized. Yeah. And um, I remember something along those lines. You had something going on at, you know, hey, we'll meet in the morning. Or we'll meet this afternoon. You know, when it would work with our schedule, we can meet at the church and, and make that happen. And I remember when I got off the phone with you, it was 10 minutes. I called you and I was like, I got to go now. Yeah. You know, I want to go now. And he's like, all right, meet me at the church. Yeah. You know, when I got baptized. And along with getting baptized, I was able to bring my, my mother with me. And I she got that. baptized that day. And family gathered around. And it was just an emotional time. That for was a really cool moment. And, uh, you know, I felt like I had a lot of. A lot of burden, a lot of concrete, you know, weight on my shoulders. And then after I got baptized, it, you know, it was all washed away. And I felt, you know, that accepting Christ and, and having that coat of armor around me. And, and, um, after that, you know, we, a lot, a lot started happening. Then yeah. we, um, was working at the fire department, running this business, 
me and Alicia decided that we was going to get married and how original that uh, we went to Gatlinburg and I had a diver go underwater and uh, had a sign that said, you know, will you marry me? And so, uh, and you know, I knew she was going to say yes, because this whole time she's been, you better put a ring on my finger. <laughs> and uh, so she, she, uh, she said yes. And we decided to get married. And it was a stressful time because we was building a house. I was trying to get the wedding set. You remember we was meeting here all the time, family gathering. All the jobs, because, I mean, all of jobs, and she's working at the hospital. And you both had horrible schedules, because, I mean, fire service and people aren't real considerate about when they end up dying in a lake and need pulled out. You know, they don't well, call in advance. Yeah, you know, they don't call in advance. There's no scheduling. I, I've missed a lot of birthdays. I've missed a lot of different yeah. things, you know, to be, to try to keep that going and try to help, you know, others and do that. And it was just, it was a, it was a lot that was going on, but, uh. You know, Alicia understood at a young age with me being in the fire service that she, you know, she knew what she was, she was getting at the time. And she's, you know, she's lived that lifestyle for so long that I'd get up in the middle of the night and we'll have to go different places and our work schedules. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, and, and I wanted to tell you kind of the backstory yeah. about everything. So, you know, to, so kind of explain a little bit more about uh, my stories and and uh, me and Alicia's been through a lot. And, and you have. And the the one of the, the our first story was when Alicia was, so I was I was sanding the handrails. I won't ever forget. It. I was sanding the handrails and and uh, working on the house. And Alicia had come by, and it was it was very weird for Alicia to come in the afternoons. You, you know, I I was living at a house on Maryland Drive. She was still living with her mom and dad. We didn't see no reason to move. You know, all of her stuff until. We got the house built, so we just make one big move. And she would stay the night with me at my house, you know, a few times. And so I was standing the handrails, and I remember Alicia coming in, and she's like, "Hey, I need to talk to you." Now Alicia's one of them that she'll just continue talking, and I'll just ignore. And I'm like, "Oh, hey, what'd you say?" That didn't happen. That, yeah. I could tell on her face that something was bothering her. So I went out on the the porch, and uh, we we talked for a little bit. And she gave me this box, and I opened it up, and it has a pregnancy test in it. And so, you know, I was really excited, really scared at the same time. You know, I barely was able to feed myself and take care of myself at that point. Yeah. How's I going to take care of another kid? You know, and we, we planned on having a child, but we just didn't expect it to be that soon. Right. Um, being as happy as we were, we say, hey, we're, you know, let's shut the, let's lock the house up. Let's shut the air compressors off. Let's go out and eat. Let's yeah. celebrate. And so me and Alicia went out to a little restaurant, a little Mexican place. And we sat and eat and we just talking about our lives and, you know, hey, we're going to be parents. You know, this is great. And, um. Alicia said, hey, I'm going to stay the night. So, you know, she come over to the house and we watched a movie. And the whole time, Alicia just seemed like she was uncomfortable, like her stomach was hurting. Yeah. And so um, I remember Alicia just saying that, you know, that she just, there was a pain that she couldn't, she couldn't get over. And Alicia's very tough. She would, you know, she doesn't go to the hospital for nothing, never rarely gets sick. I mean, she's just all around healthy. And so I thought, well, you know, you eat Mexican. <laughs> and it happens. I've been right. down there. Been there, done that. So, uh, you know, so she, nothing. She she still was just, she's like, I need to go to the hospital. And for Alicia to say that, that was that was a red flag for me. Yeah. Because, you know. It's like call life flight. You know, and, and now she's going, to, she's going to the hospital where she works. And all these people are, are there, you know, that, that we know. And so we thought, well, Natchez just opened up. We'd go out to Natchez. We don't know anybody out there. Yeah. We walked in the door. We knew everybody from the janitor <laughs> to the security guard to all the nurses. Everybody yeah. knows, you know, we got a big footprint in this and and uh, in the medical field. And so Alicia goes in and, you know, we're trying to keep that, hey, she's pregnant because you, know, you tell one person, they tell somebody else. Yeah. So. Um, the doctors gathered around and they were just, they done an ultrasound and they were discussing some things and I was interjecting myself cause I wanted to know what was going on. And, and, uh, that was when they come to find out that Alicia had some internal bleeding. So they put Alicia into an ambulance and they 
took her off, you know, to Centennial uh, Hospital, Women's Hospital. And, um, you know, I went home and I was trying to gather stuff off the counter. I got the salt shaker, you know, whatever I could. I just raked everything off into a bag and, and we headed to the You never know when the fries might not be salty enough. That's right. You know, I, I, yeah, I just grabbed everything off the table and there was stuff I didn't need. And it was just, I was in a hurry to get, get to the hospital. But, uh, Alicia, uh, that was when I got there, the doctor said, you know, we're going to do an emergency surgery. And, uh, the doctor told me, he said, I don't know if we're going to be able to save the baby. He said, at this point, we're trying to save Alicia's life. She's lost a lot of blood. It was a lot of time that from the time that we was at the house to the time that she got to the hospital that they, it was a lot of time had passed. She had a lot of bleeding that they had to take care of. We get to the hospital or we get to the, to the emergency. They're taking care of everything. And, you know, that was whenever I really just got down on my knees and started praying. You know, I really didn't, I was, you know, just, it was, it was a, it was a rough time. Um, everybody was gathering around family was showing up everybody was praying everybody was crying you know we just we didn't know what the outcome was going to be and time went along it was probably six seven hours doctor come out and he told me he said alicia's gonna be okay well he said she had a cyst rupture on her ovary we was able to stop the bleeding he said and along with that he said we was able to save the baby so um and you know me you know dad mom and you know adam everybody's on a room looking at me and i'm like surprise you know, and that's how we we got Keaton Robert Wilkerson. I don't think I realized that that's how they found out y'all were expecting. That's yep. That's how that's how oh, Keaton that's, got that's, here. Healthy, healthy kid. Yeah. Couldn't ask for a better kid. Oh, he's doing very great smart. Today. You know, if you laid a, a Game Boy or a a math book, he's all about math. He loves math. He loves building stuff. He's got a little attitude like his mom, but he's a he's a great kid. <laughs> I could careful. She might hear this someday. Best. He's a great kid. Um, Time went along. I was looking at, you know, I enjoyed being here with the town of Burns and serving the people. And I knew everybody, you know, I felt like in the city between Miss Garton and Miss Pearl Johnson, sure. or, you know, it just, it was great. It was, uh, and I, I love the relationship the church had with the fire hall over the years because, yeah. you know, I've picked up the phone so many times and, and called you or whoever the chief is then or now. And they've just, you know, great people doing stuff that, they didn't have to do. That's right. Honestly, sometimes probably doing stuff they weren't supposed to do, that's but right. it was the right thing to do. That's right. Just about every street sign that's hung up in the city between, you know, the maintenance department and the fire department. You know, we've all, a lot of these lean-tos on these buildings we fixed. We've done a lot of stuff for the community that a big fire department or a big service would not do. They would not have time to do it, but they wouldn't be able to do it. And I, I, I wish people saw how some of the small town lives, you know, people pick on some of the good old boy stuff that happens in small towns. But there's some real beautiful stuff. Um, I mean, this is the simplest little thing in the world. But just yesterday, some of our packages got delivered to the fire hall. And, you know, uh, later that afternoon, here comes a fire truck, drives it up to the door, brings it up. That's over. right. You know, you don't have to do that. Right. They're good people. They're good great people. people. And I really enjoyed my time here with the town of Burns. I really, you know, enjoyed being and taking care of the people here. Over time, though, things started growing, uh, having a family and having you know, a mortgage and trying to get things squared away, I winded up uh, taking a full-time position with the Nashville Fire Department. Small towns don't pay and have the benefits that That's the big city And uh, that pension program yep. and other things that was involved with it. So in 2016, I went there and was really, um, got really strong footprint there, was doing a lot of tactical medicine. You know, we have an RTF team, which is a rescue task force, kind of like a SWAT stuff. So. Okay. Kind of got involved with that and doing some different things with the fire department on the and uh, working on the ambulance and and um, it's a it's a different way of life there so you know it's what what is tactical medicine I don't think I've ever heard that. so it's more of like um, 
SWAT type setup. Uh, we can send paramedics and EMTs will go in a group with the police department and oh, so we have a company active shooter situation. Yeah. We have some kind of uh, large situation that involves, you know, um, handgun or something. We yeah. can send a group in to help, uh, you know, triage people and take care of people. That's what they were noticing with a lot of these case files is a lot of these shootings that happen is they just can't get medical personnel in there quick enough to stop the bleed. And so we put yeah. these people into a that's cool. Put these paramedics and these EMTs in these situations and send them in. And so it was a, we're doing a lot of training and a lot of things that are moving forward with the events that happens in Nashville yeah. and, and different threats, especially after the bombing on Christmas. It changed a lot of the way we operate. Yeah. And it's, uh, so it's, it, there's a lot of things that happen that behind the scenes that people don't think about, you know, with the Music City Marathon that comes. And, I was just thinking about you know, that. It was just so much planning and, and they do a great job with between there's a great relationship between the fire department and the police that coordinate and keep that all in line and keep that together and i ran that for the first time a couple of years ago and i was surprised how many snipers i saw that's right and helicopter friend he said me, goes, i just want you to know that for every for every one you saw there were three you didn't that's right you know and i thought what a i mean what a terrible thing that the world is such a place that that's needed but you feel good knowing that you've got some good people. Exactly. And with the Boston bombing, that right. changed a lot. And so that's why they, they, you know, we do these case studies and we change the way that we operate. Yeah, yeah like other people. the snipers are on all the buildings. There's the helicopters that are, you know, circling. I asked around. a few of them to shoot me, but none of them would do it. I was, I really needed a lot of paperwork. about halfway through. I thought, what can I do to, to, to get this response? But no. Well, a lot of paperwork goes into that, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. you have to, I know. So yeah, so I, I took that job up there and I really enjoyed it. And you know, I've, you know, I've had a lot of things happen since I've been there. You know, been shot at, had people try to stab me. You've been shot at. We've been shot at. Pull up, it's time okay. to go. What idiot wants to shoot a medic? Like they do. Uh, you know, some people just uh, right right now we we live in a day and age where there's a lot of psychological uh, issues that are going on with people, and and um, they're you know we we just find ourselves in situations and. And, and and sometimes we're misidentified as as something else or somebody else, and so it just you know it's being the first responder, you're the first one there. You know it's you never know what you're walking into, and you, you get called for a chest. Well, you get called for a chest pain, and it's a foot pain. You know, and so we get sometimes translations get mixed up between the nine one one system and and the caller, and and so it you know sometimes we get put in a situation that we don't. In a high stress situation, people are not terribly reliable it is but there's also a lot of good i've met a lot of different walks of life since i've been there and i've seen a lot of different things with you know different people and and where they come from and and, and getting to talk to people and and even some of the homeless people that you that we see you know that we interact with on a daily basis they even um you know to hearing their story is just heartbreaking sometimes you know and how they wind up in that situation and uh how do you avoid getting cynical because, I mean, when you see your frequent flyers and you narc in the same guy three times in a week, it's Sometimes easy. It's to, hard to stay professional. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to, to be able to do that. And, you know, you get the people that, you know, want to harm themselves or the people that are, you know, drinking all the time and the people that are always, you know, just a lot of a lot of mischief things that, you know, that they could have corrected on their own self. But, um, you know, you still have to stay the course and, and I, you know, and, and. I tell people this story that I'm getting ready to tell the podcast. You know, I tell my story to these people, and, you know, sometimes I feel like it helps. Yeah. Um, these people will be able to, some, you know, and change. A thing I have to remind myself in some of those situations is, you know, a person, um, you know, a death sentence, a death sentence is reserved for people who do the worst things. Somebody doesn't deserve to die 
because they've gotten hooked on drugs. Right. You know. I've seen just about any way a man could die. You know, it's um, it's just, you know, it's one of the things, whether it be accidental, intentional, environmental, or, you know, it's... So what does that do to your faith? It tests it. Yeah. It tests it because I wonder why this happens to them. You know, why why these people were put in that situation. You know, it, it does test your faith. I mean, I look at some of those stories and I'm just blown away by how good I've had it. You know, there's never been a night in my life where I've been at risk of freezing to death. And if there was, it was because I was stupid and went camping. You know, and that's the thing. You know, as I always put myself in that in the those shoes. You know, we may be twelve calls in on a, you know, twelve hour period. Maybe ten calls in, and and it's that same person that you pick up all the time. But here's the deal: between every single call that I run, I'm able to go back to a warm fire station, or it, it would really you don't get to sleep at Nashville because it's so busy. But yeah. but when you do get to catch some downtime or sit in a recliner and there's always, you know, food and somebody's always cooking and we always have somebody doing something there. But those people don't get that option. You know, they stay out there in those tents and they sleep in those tents for, you know, days on end. And, you know, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. And it's, you know, it's very hard to to be able to, to interact with that, you know. And, but you have a professional job that you have to do. and You and I have good resources, good families, good training that's right um but navigating the medical system for you and me is not easy right much less somebody who has nothing you know i really feel even sometimes for some of our seniors who who are you know are trying to call doctors and trying to get callbacks and trying to get test results and you know you and i know how to email them and you know you and i know how to leave the voicemail but some of our people that's, right. that's a huge roadblock and, too. and they and they they are criticized for calling the ambulance or the fire department because they're cold. And so they'll come up with some, you know, excuse, I'm having chest pain or I'm having this. And it's simply, they just, they're hungry and they're cold. And, you know, we have to treat those people. You you treat just like normal, you know, we have to go through the thing. Okay. You're having chest pain. We have to do the EKGs. We have to, it's, you know, it's a long process to, and, but we have to, and then when these, when they do have a medical emergency, a lot of times when they go into the hospitals, people don't take them for, you know, they take it for granted because these people have, he's here three times a day, you know. and He's looking for pills. He's, that's right. You know. And so we. But it's not worth killing one person because you're suspicious of the other. You know, it's easy to say, well, that's just what they're all like, but right. they don't. And that's the thing. I treat, I treat, you know, the millionaires like I treat the homeless. I treat the homeless like I treat the millionaires. You know, it's, you know, we're all God's people. And these, these people. You know, they've been through a lot, um, you know, just as simple as maybe their family's in a car wreck. They got behind on medical bills and, you know, now they're, this is the only way they live. And so we try to help out. And, and the National Fire Department's real good about that. They'll they'll give out coats during the wintertime. They'll open up different shelters and, you know, take these people to these shelters. Um, we also do blankets. We'll give out, you know, blankets and, and different things that's been donated to the fire department. So there's a lot of good that comes out and and sometimes you know you you interact with that person and you see them on down the road and they've got a a suit and tie on they took a good job and they've really turned their life around that's pretty cool when you get to see that happen it is so tell me about your story so well <clears throat> so i took that job at nash fire department right after that casein rick come along and uh, he's been a joy to us he's um he he's a spitfire he's the one that'll give you a hug and then sock you in the nose at the same time you know <laughs> but great kid He's, uh, he's just, uh, all around just, he was a blessing to us. And, and, uh, in 2019, that's when our life really changed. It was April 11th of 2019. 
I took a, uh, uh, I was going to work at the National Fire Department. I was going to Station 11. And I was, I usually stop at Dunkin' if I can't make coffee on my own yeah. at, the, at, the, at the house if we're out or something. And so I pulled in a Dunkin' out here at the interstate, and they didn't have, uh, or their little headset was messed up. So I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to have to go out to. But America runs on Dunkin'. It does run on Dunkin', but that morning they didn't have no batteries for their headset, I guess. <laughs> so I had to go to to the Fairview. I thought, well, I'll just go over there and get my coffee. And so I took my seatbelt off, I paid for my coffee in Fairview, and and I got back on the interstate and didn't put my seatbelt back on. And I'm driving down and drinking my coffee, listening to my music. And there was two individuals in a vehicle that were uh, road raging and uh, they were cutting each other off. And I kind of get, you know, a safe distance back. And they got on ahead of me and uh, they wound up crashing. Um, I, right there in McCory Lane, where I come around the, the little bend there, there was a guardrail. I remember there was a FedEx truck beside me. And they were dead stop in the center. And I was doing 75, 80 mile an hour. And I remember uh, it was quick, quick reaction. And I wound up hitting the, the rear end of that vehicle. Uh, that vehicle raked up on top of my car. And um, I was pinned in the car. Um, not having my seatbelt on, it threw me over into the passenger seat of the vehicle. And I remember a gentleman uh, coming up to the side of my car and he was doing all his might to get the passenger door open and when he got it open the first thing he did was kneel down and i remember him saying can i pray for you oh wow um i said please and at that point i couldn't move anything from the neck down um that guy prayed for me and i remember asking when he got done praying i was like can you can you help me sit up in the car so when he pushed me up i couldn't breathe um at that point the first responders was starting to come um i knew a lot of the people that were there I knew, you know, I kind of facial recognition, being able to see them, but there was one in particular person that I worked with here in Dixon County on an ambulance. He worked for Cheatham EMS. He also works for National Fire Department. Oh, wow. And so and well, I worked with him, you know, there, and, and uh, he looked, He was at his second job in Cheatham, and he got off, and they said, hey, this guy's got I had him a uniform on. They said, this guy works for National Fire Department. And they knew Pat worked for National Fire Department. And so uh, Pat Carruthers was the first responder. Uh, he come up and he was a paramedic. Oh, he, you know, after they cut the door open and got me out, um, you know, it was just one of the things he's like, Bubba, we're going to take care of you. You know, we're, we'll get you in the back of the truck. And I can tell by the way he was carrying himself, by the way he was talking, that this was a serious yeah. crash. Like you and I already knew that this was serious. Yeah. And, and being on the other side, when they start talking about vital signs and EKG and all this, I already knew, like I knew this was serious, but he just reiterated what I already knew yeah. that this was serious. Um, got me in the back of the truck. Again, everything is going through my mind. You know, my wife, you know, my kids, you know, the whole time that this is going on, Alicia's asleep in the bed, has no knowledge of this. My kids are sound asleep in their bed, no knowledge that, you know, I'm fighting for my life. Um, they give me the back of the, the ambulance and proceed to Vanderbilt. Um, after I was there in that bed, I remember getting transferred over to the trauma and I don't, and, and they asked me, you know, started the trauma protocol, asking me a bunch of questions. And then I don't remember nothing after that um, was once they, they started giving me the medicine and they knocked me down. I don't remember. And at that point, uh, I come to know later of my injuries and I had sustained a vertical shear to my right hip. And that's where everything on your right hip is just completely broken. It's shoved up. I had a flail chest, which is more than four segments of your ribs on your left side was broke. So every time I took a breath, my my breathing was inadequate. 
Um, also, I had busted the aorta bones behind my eyes, and I had a C5 injury to my spinal cord um, and a fracture, which was causing the paralysis from the neck down. So, and at that point, you know, we, you know, I didn't know if I'd ever uh, be back to, you know, being able to move my hands or my, my legs. And so, while I was down and incapacitated, this is where Alicia had to make these hard decisions. And they said, you know, if we do this surgery to his eyes, he's he through these bones in his eyes, he could be blind for the rest of his life. Yeah. And she was having to make a lot of decisions on my behalf. Um, you know, even though I was already paralyzed, they told him, say, hey, you know, if if we do this surgery, this this could be the outcome. And so Alicia had a lot of, had some very big tasks left yeah. on her that she had to overcome. And they told, the, the Vanderbilt doctors told the National Fire Department, said that he will never be back to work in the capacity that he was working for the National Fire Department. And, um, again, they told Alicia, they said he'll probably never walk again. This is an audio podcast, so people can't see, but, uh, I I do notice you're wearing a sweatshirt that says Nashville Fire Department. (laughs) So I hope I'm not ruining the ending of the story. Um, so I went through the process and, and and we come to later know that I had an incomplete spinal cord injury. So the transmission was still there. Uh, And they said, you know, his body has to take the trauma. And if it takes the trauma and he can build up with his re- rehabilitation that he can get, you know, hopefully he can at least get, you know, the movement and the legs and be able to sustain, you know, a little bit more. So time went along. Um, I started the therapy process and I spent four months in the ICU at Vanderbilt. And then they moved me from there to Stallworth and I spent some time there. And I was in a dark head space. And I made a lot of promises to to God that if, if you give me my legs back and you give me my arms back and you give me back to normal, I'll be a better person. I'll do more with my life. I, and um, I pushed myself hard when that when they would say, "Hey, give me ten reps," I'd give them twenty. You know, do thirty of these, I'd give them forty. And I was really pushing myself. There's pictures me hanging from the ceiling. Um, I've nurses on both legs moving moving my feet. I was on treadmills. I mean, they had me doing all kinds of stuff, and and it was a it was a it was a long process. Uh, they took my driver's license away because of the neuro damage that I sustained is kind of like somebody who has um, epileptic seizures. They'll take the they'll take their driver's license away for a little bit until they get their testing, and I had to go back and take my driving test. And so it it was a lot, but I was able to get back to work. And, so is it easier to pass the driving test in your thirties than it was when you were 16? You know, it's uh it's uh, it was nerve wracking because <laughs> when it you, was, when you're in that car wreck and then now you're behind the wheel again, it and in Nashville, you know, I done my driving test when I was a kid here in Dixon, there's not as many people as it is in Nashville. <laughs> so you're by the tractor. The yeah. Time. People are road raging already, <laughs> you know? And so it was, it was something. And it was just really weird having that student driver on the back of the car. Cause it was merge traffic and figure all that out <laughs> and trying to do all the things that are the right way instead of the way that people actually drive yeah no. yes um so you know that happened and, and I, we got back to come back to normal and i have no deficits i'm back to the way i was before the wreck the only downfall is is the whole time that i you know i told you my story going through the fire department and then nashville i'm still operating this dive business the same time i mean i had dives scheduled up i had things going on at that point we were cleaning boats and we were doing underwater cutting and welding i mean we had a lot of things yeah. that was that was really going but at that point, um, I was unable to dive again. Yeah, and I wound up having to sell that business that I that I was operating for so long, and and that I was building up because you know my spinal cord wouldn't allow me to to be able to do those activities anymore. Yeah, and um, you know there was some good that come out of that though. 
because I was able to, my kids are getting older. They're getting involved in different things. They're getting involved in the Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. And, and so now it's uh, my kids. I get to spend more time with them. You yeah. Know? And, and, uh, and so I think there was a, there was a, there was a light at the end of the tunnel that, you know, hey, spend more time with your kids. And, and you know, I miss it. You know, I, I actually sold that gear off to some uh, friends that's just right down the road, Tennessee City Fire Department. Yeah. And so when you see them go out and do these type of things, I, I really miss, you know, being part of that. But but I know that they'll take you out for a weekend sometime. No, okay. I don't get to do all that. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, it's it's been a it's been a lot. And you know, right after that, um, when we thought that was you know, that was the end of that, it, we we headed off to Florida, and uh, Alicia was talking to her mom, and she was like, "Hey, you know, mom was you know, y'all y'all be safe, y'all have fun. I can't wait to see pictures. Tell my grandkids I love them." We get down to Florida. Sandy, you know, has been through a lot. She, you know, would been uh, in a wheelchair and and having, you know, the dialysis treatments for years. And she, you know, she was she was strong for the dialysis. Yeah, she was and Steve, you know, stepping in and taking care of her all this time. And but Sandy was in good spirits and she was healthy. Yet, you know, to her, to herself there. And we go down to Florida and man, Alicia's enjoying being out on the beach and spending time with the kids. It was a much needed vacation between. This is our first vacation since you know the the wreck. And, yeah. So, uh, and vacations for us are very far a few between, you know, we, even when we go out and eat, you know, it's six months since the last time I've sat down in a restaurant, you know, when you got kids and work, it's just real busy. Our schedule's just impossible. It is. Um, Alicia, uh, I, I won't ever forget, man, Alicia was out, I was out in the water with the kids playing and I looked up on the beach and Alicia just had this, uh, distraught, disgusted face and I knew something was wrong. And so uh, I told the kids, hey, come on, let's go talk to your mom. And so we get back up on the beach, and I'm talking to Alicia, and she's like, mom's not doing good. Adam just called and said that they're taking her to the hospital by ambulance. And uh, she said that she just didn't know if, you know, her mom was going to make it. And so I told Alicia, I said, let's go, you know, let's pack it up. And so we're, you know, throwing stuff in this little wagon, and we're going back into the uh, condo, and we're packing everything up and you know the kids look like pack mules they're carrying stuff to the car and right after that alicia uh just sit down on the floor and started crying and it took me a minute to get it out of her that her mom had done passed away um that was the longest drive you know florida's a long drive anyways yeah that was one of the longest drives that i think i've ever endured um it's always kind of hard to come home from vacation but it's it's harder to come home that it's way. harder to come home that way and um I think that was God's way, you know, he's, he's going to put you where he's going to put you. And I think putting Alicia at the beach and I, and if Alicia would have had any insight that her, her mom was sick at that point, she would have never went on that vacation. She would have stayed. And I think that was his will to get us to go to the beach and enjoy life. And that's the way that he was ready to call Sandy home. Yeah. And he was ready for her. And she had struggled so long. She had, she had, um, and it was just a, you know, it was a, a lot that Alicia was enduring at one time, and I've still got both of my parents, and I don't know how that feels, but I can tell you it's uh, it was a lot for our household for for a long bit. Well, and I mean, you've told story after story of tough stuff. You you haven't told the story about when you were at the fire department and went for the slip and slide off a roof. I did. I slipped off the roof and snapped my ankle and had to put rods and pins in it. How many surgeries are you up to? Oh, now? Like 10, 12, you know. Yeah. It's a... Uh, just hope my kids have better luck than I've had this past. <laughs> You're not taking them to well, and, and it ain't even you know. Uh, just recently, uh, it was December uh, 10th. 
2021, our house got hit by that tornado. Yeah. They come through Mayfield, Kentucky. And we, uh, and I'm a real big, that's kind of what I enjoy doing is storms. And Lisa, she, it, I get her all riled up. I'm like, hey, it's going to storm day, you know. And I'll watch these storms as they move through Arkansas and Oklahoma. And, and so, you know, I, she you just, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen to it, you know. But I, I enjoy it. I get up on my computer and I'll watch, you know, the radar and listen to different people talk. And, and these specific storms, I was, I was a little uneasy about anyways, the way that you know, people were talking in Nashville and this area being in the direct path of these storms. And I remember um, that night, it was two hours before they were getting ready to hit. So I told, I was like, well, I'll go to sleep, you know, and set my alarm and I'll get up cl- when they get close. And yeah. we had the weather radios and things set. And I remember getting up and checking the radar and looking and seeing Mayfield got hit and all these different places. And and uh, when they started calling out roads, there are areas like Loretta Lynn's, Hurricane Mills, only Tennessee, the I-40 corridor, I started thinking, man, it's close to home, you know, yeah. and with us having two kids at the time, it was like, let's, I went in there, I told Alicia, I said, let's go, let's go down to the storm shelter. And we built a storm shelter. We have never used this tornado shelter. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's part of our house that we just, you know, we never been to, never used. We used it for storage for most of it, yeah. most of the time. And so Alicia, she kind of got that, that look on her face, like, you know, this is serious. Like he never goes to the storm shelter. And yeah. so. We go down to the, it's like God put his hand on my back and said, take your family to the storm show. Yeah. Uh, I remember turning on the TV on our back porch and turning on Leland Stadium and listening. And we was down in the storm shelter at Keaton, you know, I have to use the restroom. And it's like, this is the wrong time <laughs> at doing that. So we took care of that problem. I said, get to the back of the storm shelter. And before I can get the door shut, the, the, the tornado was on top of us. And uh, our house started shaking. Uh, we started, you know, our ears was popping. Water was pouring in under our house, um, and it was literally 30 seconds to a minute of terror. Um, I, when the storm passed, I remember telling Alicia, I was like, just stay here. Let me let me go look and see. You know, I know something's tore up. Yeah. When I come out, I noticed the first thing off the bat that Alicia's vehicle was moved 15 feet from where it was sitting. My truck was, was slid. The windows was busted out of my car. Um, everything that, you know, we had ever worked for, everything that was in the back of our house was completely gone. Yeah. Um, our windows was busted out. We had mud on our cabinets. We had water in our floors. Mud on the cabinet. On the cabinet. I mean, it takes a lot to throw. It takes mud. a lot. And so I was, I was, uh, and and I, and I was. Yeah, I would, I'll be honest. I was putting that pitiful me. You know, it's our stuff. Our stuff store. I didn't realize. And our neighbor, his his shop was in our yard, and my shop was completely gone. And my boat was gone. And and uh, it was until the sun come up that I realized just how blessed that we were. Yeah. And when the sun come up, I noticed that. Uh, that our neighbors down the road, their houses was completely gone, and there was nothing but just the foundation left. So, um, you know, I feel like that 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 was a that was a sign from God to get the, my family into that basement and to um, you know, it was we've we've been through some stuff, dude. But uh, you know, we we we're still a work in progress. And well, you know, you talked about in Stallworth, um, dark times. You talked about. You come out that morning and it's dark times. How do you get out of them? What, what you know, just you keeping our faith. Yeah, and and you know, it's uh, leaning on each other is has been a big thing. And and man, Alicia's been together. And we, you know, it's just like we've been through worse. Let's just you know, you, every day you just get up, you just rebuild, you keep going. You know, and she's uh, she's she's my rock. She's a fighter. She's she tough. Is. Yeah, she is. And and my kids, you know, they're they're a good support system and. You know, that's when I go to work and I see the worst and I deal with the worst coming home and just having that hug and, you know, and hey, we missed you today. It's just a, 
it's a it's awesome uh, i love being a dad i wouldn't change it for anything in the yeah. world and we all just depend on each other and you know and and, and here's the thing in the church the church has been real real uh has been a blessing to us too you know we reached out whenever our house got hit by the tornado and the ladies that come together when the car wreck happened and you know help you know with my child care you know i'll never forget that oh, i i had forgotten about that yeah you know and 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 the the meal trains from the gaskins and i, I don't even want to name all the people because there's so many people with the coons wasn't it harriet who organized the child care stuff yes um and and uh there was just so many people that was part of that that i just you know we were very blessed yeah. and that's another thing that keeps us moving and and having you know good family members and good good church base behind us and, and the national fire department reached out and they were bringing chainsaws and I just realized that, you know, then at the same time that five houses down, there was another national firefighter that, that lives down from me. So, you know, they were coming to help him, coming to help me. And it was just, a, it was a blessing. And so it's the, it's the faith and family that keeps us, keeps us going. And I think it's in a country song, but there's that line, when you're going through hell, keep on going. Keep on going. And don't stop. Don't stop. And, and that's what I And I feel say. like this is all a bigger plan. I feel like God has a bigger plan for ventilation. You know, there's a reason why I did die in that car wreck. There's a reason why I got my arms and my legs back. There's a reason why we endured that tornado. There's a reason why that, you know, Alicia's mom passed away while we were gone on this trip when she, you know, she's always been sick, but she wasn't in the state of, of, uh, of critical sickness at yeah. that point. There's a reason for everything, and and God, you know, has the backing to that. He knows the answers, and man, Alicia's just along for the ride. Yeah, and I mean, once you reach that realization of I don't have to have the answer, uh, that frees up a whole lot of your heart and mind for something yep. else. I mean, yep. I I still want them. I'm just like, why did this happen? But when I learn to let go of some of that, um, it's a whole lot easier to find some peace. It is, and you know, me being... Um, baptized you know at that point i thought you know with my job that i was doing everything that i had going on i thought you know if i pass you know if something happens to me you know i want to be right with god and at that point i, I was like i hope today's not today i hope today's not today and then after being baptized you know yeah. i'm ready some peace yeah it's peace and it's just even the way that your your incidents have happened um you know people picture the danger of being a firefighter of going into a burning building you know but the drive to work yeah, you know, to drive the work, doing maintenance, never think of in town. That's right. Um, you sure. know, a, a random Friday night, Saturday morning storm system in December. Yeah. It's December. You're not supposed to have tornadoes well, in December. Well, and that's the thing, you know, being deployed on these hurricanes and 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 the tornadoes that hit Nashville and seeing all these people going through it. You know, longest time I lived by that thing. Well, this happened to them. It can't happen to me. Yeah. And then now it's surreal that it could happen to me. It can happen to anybody. Yeah. And so it's it's really. It's really opened up my mind, opened up my heart, going out being a better person. Yeah. Going out, you know, just like uh, Bradford says, each one teach one. Yeah. Good and I'm able to take everything that I've endured, everything that I've been through, and I get these people in the back that are going through their worst time. And it may be, may not be nothing, you know, in, in our eyes, but in theirs, that's the worst thing that they've ever went through in their life. And to be able to share my story when they're in a car wreck, and, and it just changed the way that I operate. I've been on the backside of that. I know how that feels. My house got hit by the tornado. I know what you're going through. I know how to be to be displaced and the Red Cross have to step in. Yeah. Me and Alicia is one of these. We'd rather be $10 million in debt than somebody give you $1. <laughs> but at the instance, you know, it was hard for us to sit back and let people help us because we're so used to helping other people. Yeah. And it was just a, it was being on the other side really changed how we are. Absolutely. 
you know, our biggest thing right now is still childcare. And, and luckily, Horizon Medical Center works with Alicia and National Fire Department. You know, we literally, I work four days, I work two days on, and then I have two nights, and she works three days. We get one day together. You know, when the moons line up, we're able to <laughs> make things happen. And, and you know, our, we're still a work in progress. But, you know, I, I'm I'm not where I want to be, but I'm a whole lot better than where I was. Shoot. And uh, Alicia, you know, same thing. You know, we, 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 we try to get involved as much as the church as we can. Our ox gets stuck in the rut. We tried it, you know, we, but, but, you know, we're, we're working on it yeah. and we're trying to, you know, every day and, you know, just bestowing this in our kids. And, and that's why I really enjoyed you allow me to come and do this podcast because being able to tell my story, even for me sitting right here, you know, I've had all these little puzzle pieces in life and being able now to put all these puzzle pieces together and say, wow, I really have been through a lot, you know, and, you know, to think, to know that you're young still, right? Uh, 34. You've got a lot of story left in front of you. And oh, I do. No telling what the next chapter's like. There's no uh, telling. I hope you've gotten all the hard chapters out of the way early. I hope uh, so. Uh, you know, every morning when I wake up, it's like an old Buick. I'm just, you know, I'm uh, spitting and sputtering and, you know, just let it run and it'll it'll finally work its way Spray out. some starter fluid on it, maybe. That's right. You know, when I step up from the chair, all the check engine lights cut on. and That's you right. know, but, but, you know, uh, get up every morning, continue on my life like nothing ever happened. Tell my story to people. Enjoy interacting with people hearing their stories and i just realized how blessed i am you give some real perspective too because um when and i don't mean to be dramatic about this but you and your wife both have careers where um, what happens during your days is life and death um and this is going to sound a little bit harsh and i don't mean it too harsh but i mean it a little bit harsh Uh, you know we live in a world where if somebody doesn't get enough likes on social media, it's the end of the world. Or if my neighbor has a nicer car than me, it's the end of the world. Or I didn't get it. And your jobs, your professions, your your callings, I'd call them, um, really teach a sense of what matters. You know, when you stand with somebody while they whisper goodbye to a loved one, sure. it's hard to go home and be worried about the color of the siding. Uh, these, these, these patients that are on hospice care and you know, we, we interact with them and just knowing that, you know, they're ready. Yeah. And it's, um, it's hard, you know, it's hard to, and you bring that, you bring that home with you, you know, you can, you know, especially when it involves kids, you know, I, I never really realized until, until I had kids of my own, but, but when you run these calls and involve these kids or, or these elderly, it's just, and you come home and then it's like, I just want to hug my kids. There's times I've come home after a hard day and woke my kids up. They had school the next day. Wake them up and just give me a hug. Who cares? Daddy loves you. Just want you to know that. Never forget that. And, uh, you know, and now we're blessed with uh, Kipton. Yeah. Kipton's come along. And, man, he's a great baby. You don't hear nothing out of him. There's days I'll be cleaning the house and I forget it. I'm not going to lie. I'll forget about him. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, but uh, he's a great, great kid, great baby. Couldn't ask for, couldn't ask for any, any better kids. And, there's days, you know, they fight. I want to call child services on myself, you know. Like, hey, we're never going to make it. <laughs> what does it take? But, you know, yeah, you know, it's, you better come to Myrtle Road. It's bad. But, yeah. but uh, you know, I, I love them. We wouldn't trade them for nothing. They're, they're great kids. you got a beautiful and, family. And, 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 you know, being able to tell my story, these podcasts, mm-hmm. is a generational thing. They're going to be able to come back in yeah. and listen to this and say, Man, my dad went through that, you know, or, and be able to tell that story. And, and draw strength from that story. It is. Uh-huh. It is. And, you know, and then and man, Alicia is able to tell them, you know, hey, just keep moving. Just keep keep living life, keep yeah. keep being yourself, and you know, and uh, and I worry, you know, with the way the world is, and and what I see every day. I we're very cautious, pa- you know, parents about how we our kids go out and do things or stay in the night with somebody. Even Adam, you know, one of the 
one of the best people in the world. But Adam, you know, I worry about my kids there because he's got so much stuff going on. His kids have got so much, you know, different things. And so you just worry about them, you know, because of the things that we've seen. And it's hard for us to let go of the reins and let, you know, our kids. My sister's a nurse and an uh, intensive care nurse, pediatric. And we always joke that she can find how you can get killed in any situation because she's been doing it long enough. She's right. had somebody in about every situation. And that's hard. That's a hard job. Kids. It's just yeah. it's absolutely. Could not. You know, and the, way I, and the way I always say is, you know, the older generation, you know, they live their life and they've got, you know, these stories to tell. And these kids, man, they don't. You know, and they're they're young. They're still getting ready to start life. And, you know, they don't, you know, you really don't start life till you start paying taxes, I guess. You know, there's a, that's a good way of putting it. It's, uh, well, man, thank you for sharing your story with us today. Is there is there anything you wish I'd asked you or that you'd like to share the chat? No, I appreciate you letting me come in and talk. And, and thanks to the church for being our support and yeah. being behind us with everything that we've been through. And we look forward to paying it forward. That's just what we're here for. Man, I'm just, I'm glad you could do it. And I'm glad that. Uh, our friends could hear this story today and uh, these stories today. And I'm glad you're still here because it sounds like God's not done with you yet. I don't think he is. I think there's there's more more to come. And man, Alicia's got a lot of new things and exciting things, good things coming up in, you know, 2023, 2024. So we're looking at, you know, expanding our careers and doing more and getting into getting involved more with different things. And, and I've actually looked at, you know, starting my own podcast. I listened to podcasts, you know, a lot of my time. And so when I've heard the church was launching a podcast, I thought, I got to be in here. I'm going to try to be the first one. But I've been beat. <laughs> and you were beat. I'm saying. And now I've got to, you know, even following behind them. That's a, that's some very big shoes to fill. Yeah, you, you're behind some great folks. That's but right. there's some good ones still to come after you too. That's right. So That's right. It, this has been fun. I, I knew... Um, I knew this podcast thing would be fun to do, but I didn't have any clue how much fun it would be to do. Just to get to, uh, for one, to sit here and have these conversations has been super fun. But then the conversations after the conversations, so like when somebody calls me and says, you know, I heard the episode where you talked to so-and-so, and man, I loved when she said such-and-such. Um, it, it's been neat that the third and fourth order effects, it, it's been fun. Well, I guess we should probably call it a day. Um, so, Brandon, thanks for being with us. Friends, thank you for listening, and I do hope that you'll uh, uh, you'll subscribe, you'll share this with a friend. Um, maybe you need to do what Brandon did and shoot me a text message and say, I want to tell my story, um, because we've got plenty of... <laughs> the Internet is wide open. We can do as many of these as you want. Uh, but until we get together again, I can't wait to hear what God is up to in your story. Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, let's keep looking for how God writes His love into our stories.